on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, July 18th. LA Galaxy 2-0 losers to the Colorado Rapids in Colorado. We're going to talk about that game. God only knows why, but we will. Uh, The losses keep racking up for the Galaxy, so a lot to get to. Is this team as bad as we think they are? Are they as good as some of the games that they've been playing? We're going to try to answer those questions or at least uh, discuss those uh, questions as we go forward here. And of course, the Galaxy getting ready to take on Atlanta United. Uh, Gaston Brugman set to be introduced to everybody on Wednesday as well. So a lot of stuff to talk about this week, even with no midweek game, a lot to get to. To help me tonight, uh, the Pandem himself is off in Mexico covering uh, USA and Canada. The women's game happening right now as we're recording. But we are so lucky and privileged to have my best friend in the press box, mostly because he sits really far away from me, so we don't have to hang out all the time. Uh, it's Mr. Damien Calhoun from the LA Daily News and the SoCal News Group. Damien, how's it going, buddy? Going all right. Yep. Glad, glad to have you. I know, I know we talk all the time, but I don't know if our... Have you been on the show before? I was trying to think before we... I, I swear you've been like maybe once or twice. I think maybe my first year on the beat, I had a, a call-in segment, I think. Oh, yeah. I think I think so. It was it was like the old school uh, from the box way back in the day. Yeah, so. well, it was back in what, 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. That was that sounds about right before we sort of changed up the formats and stuff. Well, Damien is, and I know everybody knows who you are. I talk about you constantly on the show. I'm actually surprised we haven't had you on the show. Um, but uh, Damien is one of the absolute best beat reporters for the LA Galaxy. Uh, he's there all the time. He's there more than I am. Uh, he's usually the guy who gets the first question on the calls, except whenever uh, Kevin is running them, and then I get it because um, Kevin likes me better than you. Um, and so uh, so Damien does a great job. So please, uh, if you can, uh, follow him on Twitter. We'll give you all that information to do um, if you're not already. But uh, Damien, you were... Uh, you were also in COVID jail. Um, congratulations. I've, I've recently come out of COVID jail, so I, I, I know the feeling. You feeling okay? Yeah, feeling a lot better. Um, my, my, my time is almost up here. I've got a couple more days. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to bust out of here. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling a hundred percent. So, uh, very good. All right. Uh, unfortunately for you, then you did have plenty of time to watch the LA galaxy play the Colorado Rapids on Saturday night, uh, two nothing loss for the LA galaxy. Uh, I don't know at this point, there's nobody who can be surprised that the LA galaxy lose games on a regular basis, especially to struggling teams. I think Colorado was 13th in the conference at the time. Um, that they uh, that they faced off against the Galaxy. Uh, and you get two goals from Colorado, one in the first half, really should have been two in the first half, almost back-to-back again. Um, and then you get a uh, 75th minute uh, goal from uh, Giassi Zardes um, on that backside. So uh, former LA Galaxy player uh, coming in to uh, hurt the LA Galaxy, which is normally the case. Um, not surprising at all. And it now stretches Damien, the LA Galaxy's Winless streak against Colorado to eight. The last time they won was in 2017. We talked about that. Jack McBean had, I think, two goals uh, in that game. Uh, that's how long ago that was. So, I mean, general thoughts before we dive into any of the details, uh, your your thoughts on the game. Yeah, when I heard about that stat, I'm still sort of shocked. It's been that long since they, they beat, beat the Rapids. But, um, yeah, it was one of those games where, like you said, it, it should have it should have been two zero early in the first half. Or I don't know how early it was, but maybe midway had one goal um, chalked off there for offside. Um, they, Greg always says that they get into these positions, and when they get there, they just 
forget to do what you know what to do when they get there, which is a, a running theme, a running problem so far. Um, I mean, they had a lot of chances—not really chances, but you know—they get into these like a good, uh, um, good attacks. You're thinking, okay, here, here comes a three-on-one, here comes a four-on-two, whatever, two wingers, whatever, and the ball just sort of dies, gets scuffed, you know, scuffed away there. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, it's 19 games in, 20 games in, and it's just still a, still a, a puzzle. Uh, about this team. It, it feels that way. It feels like like this team, and, and I'm of this belief, and I know this is very much you know splitting the baby um, whenever it comes to it, but it's like, I've seen this team play really, really good soccer. And you can say, and somebody in, in our Discord sort of said, well, maybe we're the team, you know, speaking about the LA Galaxy, this person says, maybe we're the team that other teams play down to. Right? Like, maybe that's the thing. And I said, yes, maybe, but we're also talking about one of the best some of the best teams in the league that the LA galaxy have handled pretty soundly. And even in the loss back to LAFC at no point did it look like the LA galaxy were a bottom or meddling team whenever they're at bank of California stadium playing against, uh, you know, LAFC and the score ends up being three, two, it was a competitive game. The galaxy had chances to, to tie that game and maybe even score and win those that game. And it didn't happen. But then you go into a San Jose game, which ends three, two as well. After the galaxy give up three goals in the first half, you come in and you say, okay, there's going to be a reaction. And what's the reaction going to be? And instead, what we see is, I think, a lackadaisical performance. I don't think there was ever sort of any edge to the LA Galaxy. I don't know that the lineup and the personnel necessarily suited what Greg was trying to do. And understanding that there's some shorthanded tendencies within this group right now to, to not necessarily have the best 11 on the field. And it, are there 11 good players is maybe another good question as well. I mean, these are all of the all of the sort of things that we're doing. By the way, you already have a fan in our chat room. Uh, Raphael gave us a $10 super chat, says, Josh, thanks for having Damien on tonight. His Twitter account is one of my go-to sources for G's and local sports coverage. Mine too, uh, Raphael. So I appreciate that. Thanks for the super chat. But when we look at this game, we look at Colorado, um, you know, I think that Robin Frazier had him set up well, Damien. It's just, again, we're, there did not seem to be any sort of edge in this game where the LA Galaxy looked at any major points of being the better team. Yeah, we, we've seen that more than more than once. And it's like, I mean, if it was easy, a, a simple why would be, hey, I mean, it would be simple, right? Right. Uh, I guess there, there's no simple answer. But yeah, they, they didn't do anything, anything in particular. They got the ball, on, got the ball to Lewis, on, you know, direct. And, you know, he play balls over, play balls across. And I mean, I think it was with the first inside the first five minutes, Derek Williams had to make a diving save right. um, on the goal line. Yep. And that sort of set the tone there. Yeah, no, it, it does. And and already the Galaxy under pressure. If you look at the starting lineup, and by the way, this is not in any way a two-forward setup in my mind, but um, everybody to each their own, however they want to uh, put these pieces together. But if you look at this, it was Jonathan Bond and Gold. They had Chase Gasper at left back, which is a little bit of surprise, moved Raheem Edwards into the left mid role. And I know lots of people talked about Edwards playing more of that wing back in this position and, and being able to come back on defense more um, to sort of cover Chase Gasper. That didn't happen in this game. Um, I saw Edwards as a pure left midfielder for most of this game um, until he was he was pulled out of it. Um, you know, Julian Rajo on the right hand side, Nick Depew in the center. So Sega Koulibaly now, Nick Depew sort of going back and forth between who starts and how they're going. Greg's still trying to mix and match that. I don't know if Sega has any injuries that have sort of reoccurred, but since he's come back from injury has not been a consistent starter. So that's something to sort of watch there. You had Kleshton and Ravellison as your sort of two uh, midfielders there. Efrain Alvarez was in the midfield as more of a 10 role. And then Kevin Cabral uh, was out on the right hand side. So the opposite of Raheem Edwards there um, with Jovalich up top. Worth reminding everybody that uh, you had Chicharito who was out due to health and safety protocols and Mark Delgado as well. Mark Delgado is probably the bigger miss on all of these. Um, just because he's the one who controls the midfield, Damien. He's the one who sort of controls that tempo. He usually does a really good job tracking back on defense. He's good on sort of that box-to-box guy. He has off games, um, yep. and we've seen that. But at the same time, he's also one of the more consistent midfielders, and to not have him in this, and maybe to not have Chicharito as well. And the only reason I say that, not that Chicha is scoring a whole bunch of goals right now, it's just that there are a progression of subs that make the LA Galaxy... Uh, more and more dangerous as they go. And whenever you start Jovalich and you don't have Chicharito and you don't have that ability, I feel like the LA Galaxy don't have the subs to sort of make this team more dangerous. You think that's fair? 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, Jovalich, my sort of offensive subs are usually Jovalich, um, either Efra for Victor or Victor for Efra. Right. Um, and then depending on who's depending on who's not who's starting, is it is it Douglas? Is it Cabral? Is it Granzer? Either one of those. If, that, if one of those didn't start, one of those are coming in maybe the 60th minute or whatever. Um, but when they're all crammed into the lineup, you're looking around like, oh man, Preston Judd's the only attacking player left on the bench really, and it's like. I, I was thinking maybe we were going to see some Judd. I was I was I thought, so too. I thought maybe that was the game for it, um, just because it, you know sort of putting that in. Listen, I'll say this, and there's a lot of questions obviously with Kevin Cabral and moving Kevin Cabral into any of these situations and and giving him you know large chances anymore on all this. If you're the LA Galaxy, you need Kevin Cabral to be good. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I'll also say that by leaving Kevin Cabral off the starting, I don't necessarily know that it that it hurts or it helps. Um, moving Grand Sur in for Kevin Cabral, you sort of get the same, same but just a little different. Um, there's not much in terms of offense that's created there. Um, Efrain Alvarez right now and Victor Vasquez, you could flip a coin between those two. You're not going to get a whole bunch of production, I think, out of either of them. Although, um, you know, that wasn't the case last year. Victor Vasquez was an important piece last year. Um, I think that you're you're seeing the end of Victor Vasquez playing, and I think you're probably seeing the end of Sasha Kleshin playing, and Kleshin gets the start in this one. And you can understand, I think, why Greg wanted to do it. Um, but again, it's a slow midfield. Uh, Ravelson's not real fast. Sasha's not the, the speediest. He'd be the first one to tell you. I'm, I'm not saying anything out of turn. Um, so uh, at this point, you know, there's there's little things. Having said that, I don't I can't come up with, uh, you know, uh, oh, well, you definitely should have played these guys or that guys. There's too many holes on this roster right now. you can't start Douglas Costa right now. He's not he's not even 60 minutes fit and at altitude. 45 minutes was probably as mo- much as you were going to get out of him. Um, Cabral and Grand Sur flip a coin. Don't care. Doesn't matter. You're you're probably going to get the same out of either of them. I know Grand Sur. Excuse me. I know Cabral missed that. That's yeah, a couple sitters. Um, also, I know Dayon passed up a chance to put Cabral in, um, yeah. and didn't yeah. do it, and ended up taking a bad shot. And I got a lot of crap for saying that Dayon needs to pass that ball. It doesn't matter if Cabral is going to miss it. That's still where the ball's supposed to go, and maybe he'll get it back. You know, these are the these are the types of things. I understand all the frustration, everything else that is that is sort of going on with this, Damian. But I can't sit here and say there's absolutely better players sitting on the bench because there's not. Um, I don't see it. No, I mean, unless I mean, Greg said he he said the other day he's looking for looking for guys to be held, you know, held accountable, held reliable. And if they don't get it done, somebody else will come in. So who are those guys coming in? Are we going to go? You know, is it Johnny Perez? I mean, right. you know, going that far down the down the bench to get to get these guys in. Um, I mean, I would do it, but you know, they don't pay me to coach the team. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish they did sometimes. I think maybe they should let us like just w- just one game pick the lineup. Be like, hey, listen, this is what we're gonna go with, guys. All right, and then whenever it falls apart, we can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah our bad. Yeah. Um, I would blame somebody else. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, there are some there are some pieces that I'm intrigued by. You know, Daniel Aguirre is really a piece that I that I really like. Uh, I still feel like he needs a good partner in there in order to do it. I don't think that necessarily that was this case um, in this game um, that that sort of anchor him. He plays better probably whenever he sits next to Delgado. Um, yep. And Delgado makes other people better. That makes sense too. But it just it I think it provides clarity on his role. So I, I like Aguirre. I think you can put him in there. Um, you know, for me, Grand Sierra over Cabral right now. Sure, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, I, again, we get into the sort of the same arguments. You saw the San Jose game, and and the Galaxy were able to score right at the the beginning of the second half because they played a ball over the top to Cabral, right? We, did we see any of that in Colorado? Balls over the top being played in? We don't, and we haven't. And so if you're not going to play Cabral like that, I think it's kind of, it, it feels useless um, to, to sort of put him in there. So I, I certainly question um, just that. And I think he makes those runs. Watching him in the stadium and watching him make that, he's ready for that. There were a couple times Jovalich made some sort of in-behind runs that nobody fought, saw. Um, you know, Cabral the same way. I would say that I had a really good view of this, Damien, except that um, the TV coverage was pretty atrocious whenever you get down to it. it. It's again, not a spectrum thing because that's a feed coming from Colorado and spectrum oh, guys. Well. Yeah. The spectrum guys are just like at the, at the studio in El Segundo. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you didn't get a lot of the, the sort of wide views to really see how everything was playing out. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, this game highlights one of the biggest issues for the LA galaxy, Damien, and that is the lack of depth. 
and the lack of, of pure talent, right? There, who are the game changers? Are there any game changers on this roster right now that you are thinking, oh, oh, well, I hope he doesn't come into this game because good Lord, he's going to change the game. I mean, it would be Jovalich, but he's starting now. <laughs> and this is, this is what happened last year as well, right? Chicha got hurt last year, yeah. and Jovalich had to start a whole bunch of games. Didn't necessarily do the best whenever he starts. I'm still the believer that whenever he's a single forward in those starting positions, he's not as dynamic as possibly he could be in some of the other ways, um, which is why I like him better coming off the bench. Um, but um, having said that, there isn't that guy. Chicharito's not that guy right now. Yeah. Um, Douglas Costa... I'm Christian Miles said something on the show and I'm I'm I trust him. He says it's hard to ca call a guy a bust after four months of, and him not really playing all that much. And I sort of said, OK, I get that. So I'm sort of waiting, but I'm ready to press the button as soon as it is an appropriate amount of time. I'm, I'm ready to be like, it's a bust. And it gets to be a bigger bust, though, Damien, whenever you consider the Galaxy are paying him three million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, they got him basically for two years. It's one and a half years with the six month loan. It's two years. Okay. So a two year contract, 3 million. And we just found out that Dybala went for 3 million euros, basically. Then those are almost the same right now. I think to go to Roma, this, yeah. this feels like, uh, at $3 million that, you, you know, the, the Sesame street song is one of these things doesn't belong here. One of these things isn't, is kind of the same, like that type of, thing. it feels like if you could have Dybala for, for 3 million, or you have Douglas Costa for 3 million that you would take Dybala for 3 million. I mean, hindsight, certainly right. Hindsight, but there were also some serious red flags about Douglas Costa before he came in. So I don't know that you could be surprised to find out that the LA Galaxy, who had a struggling DP last year with Kevin Cabral, and there were hopes that he would snap out of it, and he hasn't. Um, and now you have an MIA designated player in Douglas Costa, who's playing less than half the total available minutes so far this season. Um, you have those two things. It doesn't surprise me that we look at this and say, oh, well, the LA Galaxy are struggling. Chicha's is not playing that well, and you have two other DPs who rarely show up. So, yeah. I mean, doesn't that, that if you're going to be in Major League Soccer, you sort of have to hit on your DPs if you really want two out of the three have to be pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you got to hit on your DPs, young DPs, regular age DPs, whatever. And um, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, talking to Greg and talking about talking to, you know, what they've seen out of Douglas when they had to shut him down there for a while and sort of build him back up. Um I guess he just had some just some horrible, terrible injuries to his his body, his legs, and his feet, and I, I guess ankle injuries. And yeah, but man, it's 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 tough. Cause, I mean, these these DPS you need them to hit, and when they don't hit, that only just puts you know the, the coaching staff under in, in the hot seat. Um, and then when they don't deliver, you know. Then they get then they get fired and then nothing happens in the front office of the people who made the suggestion <laughs> to sign people. And then it just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. It's why salt. It's why firing Greg Vanny, which I don't think should happen anyway. But there's plenty of people who who think that, that he should be fired, um, mostly because the best reason I've heard so far is that he's lost the locker room, which is not even close to true. But lots of people like to say that. Um, and so when you look at this, it's it's sort of it sits there and goes, that doesn't change anything. So. So make the changes that change something. Make the changes that haven't changed, right? We're talking about the Chris Kleins and we're talking about the Jovan Karofskis. Uh, Make those changes because bottom line is that Greg is getting suggestions on who they can sign, right? And those are coming from guys like Chris Klein and Jovan Karofsky and the scouting, the scouting department that didn't exist um, and is barely exists on paper yeah. right now as we speak, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... You and I, I and I've I've shared this with a, with a bunch of people. You and I had about a ninety minute conversation with Greg Vanny. It was just you and me and and Greg and and Kevin from PR um, there. And I went over all the stuff that was on the record that we could talk about. And obviously, I haven't talked about the stuff that's off the record. But um, it certainly feels like to me that Greg Vanny thinks that he's in charge of a lot more stuff than than um, than maybe predecessors have gotten. A hold up, right? You're talking about academy stuff. You're talking about scouting and analytics and analytics. yeah, the analytics side, right? And all this stuff. And um, you know, he mentioned very succinctly that he was like, We have to catch up. We are behind teams like New York City and Atlanta United and Seattle and all these teams, all the major teams. He goes, We're behind them and we have to catch up. You can see that trying to play out, but the bottom line is that with the current structure of the front office, it feels like you're all, like he's running in quicksand again. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm also I'm also under the impression that you don't fire him. I mean, because if you do, you guys <laughs> you're starting over again. Um, I mean, who wants who wants to do that, right? Yeah. At a certain at a certain point, you got to get you know you got your staff in here now, sort of get things turned around after you know. You missed the playoffs, what, three out of the last four or four out of the last five, I think, something like, something yep. like that. Um, and if, like, he, like he said, I mean, they're so far behind in all those areas where it's going to, it's going to take, maybe it doesn't, it maybe doesn't, it doesn't catch on until, you know, this offseason when he finally gets, you know, the analytical staff in and everything is in. Maybe it's not until his third year where things really start to click. Um, it seems like he's just catching, really, like I said, He's in quicksand trying to try, trying to catch up. Yeah, he's he's playing from behind for a lot of this and, and that type of thing. Well, I mean, and the big deal here is that um, you know that that Derek Williams went on after this, and and this was the big deal, and and this is what everybody's sort of talking. And, and Nikki K from Spectrum, and who was uh, my co-host on the show not too long ago, um, sort of asked Derek about you know what what it why the team was so disconnected and you know Derek seemed a little bit in shock so i have that audio i want to play it for you cuz i think there's a lot to talk about here as well we're not we're not playing as a team where there's a lot of people playing as individuals um, the manager gives us clear instructions and there's times where people don't want to do that and it's frustrating um, i feel for the staff um, because they put so much work in, and then when it comes to the game, people, some people just have their own agendas, and it's, it's frustrating. And, uh, yeah, we can't just keep going on like this because it's not good enough, and we want to be we're – sick we're sick of losing. It's just not good enough. All right, there's, uh, there's Derek Williams talking about it. Talking about individuals, right, people playing as individuals, and certainly this seems, uh, at least from the outside, uh, uh, a lot of frustration from Derek. First of all, he's – from what I can tell, and maybe you can you can sort of uh, add to this, uh, Damien, is that Derek is a quiet leader for the most part. I don't see him yelling and screaming at people and and the different things. Maybe a little bit on the field. Maybe he gets you know in that center back position a little bit. He gets this team is very emotional. He's one of those emotional guys as well. So you know you can see that. But he's not one of these guys who's usually um, in the post game calling people out. But that was Derek calling people out, sort of saying you know there's a lot of guys who are playing out there like they're individuals. Um, you know, and, and they're not listening to what our game plan is. Um, and so everybody wants to talk about names and everything else, but what did you, whenever you heard Derek sort of, uh, you know, go off and in that way, was that, was that a little surprising for you? Um, I, not really. Cause you, you remember the San Jose press conference, he was still in his Jersey, maybe what 40 minutes after the game, I think. Yep. And he's, you tell he was still, he was still like down about, you know, the goal that he, he took credit for, for allowing and how they played there. Um, yeah, I always I see him as that leader on the back line. So I don't really. It's tough. It's tough really to say, you know, I wasn't there, so I'm not on the field. So maybe maybe he I mean, he has a better view of who who's doing things out of that. that that's not really in sync with, you know, with with the staff and everything. Um, so it's tough for me to say, you know, who was he talking about? Uh, but I think it's more frustration, you know, back to back losses against two teams that. You know, you expected. I don't know why we expected, but thought that Galaxy would probably, you know, handle um, in San Jose and Colorado. So maybe it's right. more frustration than anything. I think it is frustration. Here's the thing, though, um, is that I see people. Um, I see two people talking about, oh, well, you know, Vanny's lost the locker room. This is clear evidence of that, and you know that. Oh, the locker room has a rift in it. It's broken, and all those other things. Um, I can do the I can do the only thing that I can do, which is talk to people after this, right? So I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff we can sort of do whenever we're on a Zoom call. But we understand that you're going to get, you know, some rather rainbow answers whenever that happens. That's fine. I expect it. And it's not a big problem. You know, I asked Greg Vanny specifically, I said, do you feel like you're preparing this club the way that they're supposed to be? And he was like, yeah, he goes, you know, I feel he goes, I'm not perfect. Obviously, he goes, I make mistakes. He goes, sometimes teams come out in sets that we're not that we're not expecting. Right. They change things up. They change personnel. They do things a little bit different in order to throw a wrinkle in that. And he goes, it's up to us to adjust and do all that stuff. He goes, but you know, for the most part, the answer was yes, you know, and also if, if it's not, then we'll fix it and we'll, we'll make it there. So, um, I didn't have any problems with that. It was a, it was a question you asked just because of what Derek says, um, and, and sort of says, well, you know, the manager's giving us the instructions and the whole deal. It's like, okay, so where's the breakdown? So I was able to talk to some players off the record and just no names on any of this stuff, but, um, the bottom line is that no, the locker room's not broken. 
Um, I know lots of people would love to say that is. And I think a lot of ways it's like confirmation bias. The team is playing poorly. You want to know why Derek Williams went out there? It's because they lost three games in a row. Um, the players I talked to were extremely frustrated. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, frustrated. Well, screw everybody. And they're not doing their jobs and blah, blah, blah. It was we need to get we need to be better. We know we can be better. We've seen how good we can play. He goes and, and you know, these players are like, we're so inconsistent. And I said, well, you know, getting Delgado back is important and stuff like that. They're like, Mark's great. Mark is absolutely going to help us and getting Chicha back is absolutely going to help us. But he goes, but that shouldn't matter. Like it shouldn't matter. We're so inconsistent even without those guys. They're, they're like, we just need to find a string of games where we're putting in the effort that we know that we can give and, and doing the things that we know we can do. We know we are a better team than what we're sort of showing. So I know everybody wants to say, um, you know, that everything is broken in there. It's not. Um, and we talked about this, I think on, uh, let's see, what was it? It was on Wednesday night, last Wednesday night. Whenever, or actually, it was probably after the San Jose game. Um, but looking at the San Jose game, Damien, which was sort of like, you know, Almeida was was well-liked by all the players. They didn't want him to go, right? The whole deal. And so it, you don't have to lose the locker room in order to yep. get fired, right? You can just keep losing games, even if the players <laughs> like you, right? <laughs> and and I think I think that's the that's the danger that, that Greg is in, in danger of doing. This is the first time in his Galaxy tenure that he's below 500, right? So he has eight wins um, and nine losses right now. And was it three draws? I think it's three. Yeah, three, three draws. So, um, so when you look at that, this is the first time this team has slipped below that 500 mark. You know, this is also a team that is sitting and teetering on the ever living edge of the playoffs right now um, for some. And, and this is indicative of the Western conference as well, though, Damien, we have seen time and time again that the middling part, probably anybody from RSL who's in third place all the way down to probably San Jose, who's in 13th right now, um, is that that it's just it's just it's all clumped together there. There is nothing, yeah. you know, somebody says, Oh, you know, we're, we're only, um, you know, five points from being in 13th place in the, in the Western conference. Yeah. You're also like not that many points away from being like in fourth or in third, right? I mean, at 33 points, that's uh six points away, uh, for the LA galaxy right now, they're sitting on that seventh. The bottom line is all of that. Uh, whenever we look at the standings right now, basically anybody below Austin, because you have LAFC in Austin at 42 and 41 in the Western Conference. You have RSL at 33, Minnesota at 31, Nashville at 30, Dallas at 29, Galaxy at 27, Portland at 27, Seattle at 26, Vancouver at 26, Houston 25, Colorado 24, San Jose 22, and Kansas City at 20. This is how this is going to be, I think, for the rest of the year, which is... It's just going to be clawing and grabbing for any points that you can, and that's going to end up being what the playoffs are. Um, yeah, um, I think it was Greg who said a couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe it was a player. Maybe it was Bond. I think said they didn't want to go into that last game having to win it or whatever to get into the playoffs. And <laughs> it feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> the way we're trending right now, it's it's trending that way again. Um, <laughs> who who is who wants to have that decision day game against? Uh, let's see who who is the last decision day game. It is against. Uh, oh, Houston, of course, it's, it's in Houston. Houston right? Yeah, it's in it's in Houston. It's in Houston. That's a great game that you want to absolutely have to win on October 9th. Um, yeah. so, I mean, so when you look at that, that's, that's sort of where we, where you sit on this. Now, um, we know that on Wednesday, the LA galaxy are set to announce, um, Gaston Brogman. He was in LA on Friday or Saturday. I think Saturday for sure. Um, he was in LA on Saturday. Now, Greg has told us and told, um, people, you know, a whole bunch Brugman's been like working out and like sending them videos of his workout. Like this is not like a guy who is, who has been hiding from this and who has been, he's been looking forward to coming for, you know, a little over a year um, whenever it goes down. So I expect the integration in terms of getting him playing time and on the field is actually quick. Um, I would not be surprised um, whenever you're looking at this game coming up on Sunday against Atlanta. I would not be surprised if Brugman starts it's one of those. I think that he can give you 60 minutes type of thing. It feels like already I have not seen him play. Please, please understand that's based on talking to Greg and talking to uh, to, to some of the people there. And they're sort of like he's ready to go. Um, but it does do a lot of things for the L.A. Galaxy just in terms of how they want to line up. One of the things it does is it moves Efrain Alvarez off a starting spot for the most part, as far as I can tell. Um, and I think that that's a positive right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I thought we'd. I thought we'd get so much more out of him this year. Um, you thought this maybe, was the year. I thought this was the year. I'm, I'm, I raised my hand. I'm sorry. I, I was the one. Um, maybe he's just. Maybe selling him into like a thirty, 
30, 35 minute off the bench energizer or whatever, which is at this stage in his career. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's really what he wants to be, but don't, that's, don't worry. The LA galaxy still cover his under 21 Mexico games. Whenever he goes out to play there, instead of like playing for the national team or whatever that they, they, they always tend to do. The bottom yeah. line is that I think him and Araujo right now and Araujo is getting saddled with, I think, uh, at least colored with a little bit of the same paint that 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 uh, Alvarez is right, which is just you're not living up to your expectation. Now, Araujo for me has way more um, top end and way more success yeah. so far in his career. Um, and I think has somewhat of a chance uh, to still play in the World Cup again, 14 games left. And there's still a lot of time for him to sort of be that an option for Mexico whenever they go into uh, into World Cup um, coming up uh, in November. And so all those things being said, um, you know, those two are under some serious fire right now. I mean, you have Efrain Alvarez, who's out there with bleached hair, uh, who has been who has been criticized heavily, um, I would say, within the front office walls, um, at least certainly where where you can talk. Greg talked a little bit about Efra finally coming to talk to him and finally having a discussion with him and finally being like, what do I need to do to get better? And, you know, it was sort of one of those. Hey, thanks for showing up like type yeah. of things. Right. You know, Greg's going to say nice things about it. Um, but at the same time, you could tell that there was, they were been waiting for Efrain Alvarez to make a step forward and take that step on his own for a long time. To me, it feels like it's too late. Um, and so I don't know how you go about, there's a whole bunch of things that people are obviously looking at. One is the U22 situation with a young DP situation and how you get out of a Cabral contract that was, um, at least by some reports of people I've been talking to, 100% a Greg Vanny signing. Let's get that out of the way, right? Greg Vanny saw him. Greg Vanny wanted him. Greg Vanny brought him in, okay? That's how Kevin Cabral became a player for the LA Galaxy. But at least by some accounts, I can say that, that it wasn't the intention. And I think people remember back where we heard about Kevin Cabral and we're like, oh, this is probably a U22 signing, right? This, is, this, this might be one of those that, that makes some sense. Like, oh, this is going to be a U22. And he came in as a young designated player as well. It seems that during the negotiations, both the salary, the transfer fee, and the terms of the contract in terms of its length all ballooned. Um, and that seems to be a trend that happens with LA Galaxy players. Um, whether you look at Grant Sear or you look at Ravellison or Koulibaly or possibly even Mark Delgado in terms of how much money they're paying him. Um, there seems to be an inflationary tax that the uh, that mostly the LA Galaxy are paying in spite of themselves. Um, and so how do you go about that with Efrain Alvarez, with Julian Araujo, with uh, with Jovalich, right? Dayon Jovalich, all U22 players and all linked at least in spot to the young designated player spot of, of Kevin Cabral. And how can the LA Galaxy free up space in order to get another DP? Because right now it feels like hands are tied. There's no DP. You know, again, there's no way to sign Dybala. There was, there, if there was, the LA Galaxy probably could have, um, but they but they didn't do it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I remember the good old days when the, uh, the, the 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 roster rules were written in, written in pencil. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no Chivas USA next door to offload Juan Pablo and Hell. Right, like it's 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 one of those. And you know, people keep saying, "Oh, well, the Galaxy should just buy these guys out." There's no there's no mechanism midway through the season to buy somebody out. You have to transfer somebody. Um, yeah. And so people are saying, well, Douglas Costa could go play at Hammerby. And it's like, well, does Douglas Costa want to go play at Hammerby? Because, again, that's a big part of this. Like somebody said, oh, well, you know, they should just agree to mutually terminate the contract. And I'm like, if I'm Douglas Costa, why would I be terminating a yeah. contract that pays me three so, million dollars? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, I remember when we asked when, he, when Greg said, you know, he was looking for two two additional players. And I, and I asked him, do you think you need three? And he's like, yeah. You know, the, the way the way the roster, the salary cap is, they, they just don't have the money for a third a third edition. And yeah, they I, I don't know. I, it, 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 it's easy to sort of talk about this as like the galaxy's hands are tied, Damien. But it, they got tied by themselves. It's yeah. not. It's not like you can sit. They can sit here and like point at other people and be like, oh well, how do we get in this situation again for another time? Right. I mean, the Galaxy got into a situation, obviously, with Giovanni Dos Santos that they ended up buying out. Right. Um, somebody reminded me because I was trying to remember back to 2017. I was like, did Jonathan Dos Santos even play for Curtin Because 
the way he didn't, by the way, it didn't happen. They fired Anolfo and announced basically Jonathan Dos Santos the next day, like that type of thing. So he never got him. But talking to people afterwards, Anolfo was basically like, give me anybody. Give me anybody at this point. You guys gave me a roster that's all full of young guys. Give me anybody. And that's where we get, I sort of get flashbacks to that in terms of what's going on right now because we know about Brogman. We know he's being brought in. We know he's a TAM player. We suspect, and certainly from our conversations with Greg Damian, we can say that Greg was optimistic of bringing in a second person. Now, I don't know if that optimism has faded since we last talked to him. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so it very well could be like, oh, that's not going to happen now. But the other part of that is that I feel like the LA Galaxy are in so much of a of a of a problem right now where they don't have the roster and they don't have the talent to be able to go out there and consistently compete uh, that they're going to make another panic buy. Right. And it's like if you do that and you get it wrong, you hamstring yourself even further going through next season. Right. Because as you're looking at turnover and everything, there should be a designated player spot open whenever Chicharito doesn't get renewed. And I don't think at least at this point that I would consider that. Um, so I think that they have a DP spot open there, but if there's nothing else to do, if there's nobody else to get right, if you have people locked up and we know that there are several long-term contracts throughout this entire LA galaxy roster, there'll be some turnover, but at the, yep. at the spots that it counts for right now, Damien, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a bunch of turnover in, in spots where you could, you could get it. Victor Vasquez, Sasha question. You could look at that. Maybe you sell F. Ryan Alvarez. There's ways to create this stuff, but it doesn't feel like the LA Galaxy are in a position to be thinking that far forward, and that that worries me. I think panic buy coming um, here here this summer. The second signing is going to be a panic buy. Oh, I love a good panic buy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's whenever you can get Chris Klein to go out there and say, don't worry, we can sell these guys. We can sell Jonathan Dos Santos. We can sell Giovanni Dos Santos. They ended up buying out Giovanni Dos Santos, but you know, I'm sure they can sell him somewhere. Um, so it's, it, you know, again, you get into this and, and this is where it comes through in, in Colorado is that, um, you have a team that is very much, and I think correctly called out by Derek Williams as playing as individuals, right? Um, I think you have some guys who think that they belong in Europe already and, or that they've played in Europe for 20 years. Um, and you know, that, that they're just good enough that are coasting a little bit. And I don't think that Greg Vanny has the players to punish the guys who he wants to punish because I think that in most cases you're going to start somebody like Kevin Cabral because there's probably not a better option out there right now and the best thing you can hope for is all of a sudden Kevin Cabral snaps out of it I don't know why we would think that now but <laughs> right I mean where do you stand on Kevin Cabral though I mean we've gone through this for now a year and a half yeah um last year I sort of gave him the benefit of the doubt you know young kid coming over here New country, new league, new everything's new. Everything's new. Um, coming into the preseason, we saw how he what, what was it like three or four goals yep. in the preseason. You're thinking, okay, it's going to click this year. Um, but now it's like, oh my goodness, you see him. You, you see him in these spots where it's like, is he? Is I think Greg said he's he's, he's not. His confidence is down. He's thinking too much. Really, um, he gets on the ball and. You just, you, you're expecting either him to shank it wide or a defender to come and slide it off his off his foot and send the ball the other way, which has happened like what three times maybe the last two games. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I joked with someone the other day. Maybe they got the wrong Cabral on the first team. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe they got to look at. It. I don't know. Maybe they have That's to not. switch with Remy. They just they, hey, Remy has three goals, right? Remy has three <laughs> or four goals with you too. Um, but you know, yeah, it just man, it's confidence is. You could tell his confidence is really down. I, it, um, but it gets to, it gets that to, to go over and over again whenever you sort of look at this. It's like, yeah, we can say the confidence is down, but like, has has he really ever showed that confidence? I mean, maybe preseason. There, here's the thing: I have been told rather reliably that Cabral balls out in practice. He's not he, he's not a guy who sucks during I've practice. Seen, I've seen some of those practice sessions toward the end when they're you know when when, when they're when they're running their you know their their their, their offensive. Um, you know, a little, not really set pieces, but sort of offensive attack there. Right. And you can see he's finishing stuff with just like, holy smoke, where is that at in the game? Um, now, I don't I don't see the 11 on 11 stuff because we're, we're, we're always, you know, kicked out before when they're, when they're doing that. But um, some of the stuff after the 11 on 11, you can see, you can see his finishing is just like, wow, that's what they saw. Yep. And I don't know why, the, why, why it ends up on a training field and doesn't, you know, go into the, the main stadium, which is 
it's confusing to me. It is, and and I want to, um, I I want to be the guy who's gonna like hang in there with him and be like, he's gonna be okay. It's gonna happen. Like it's gonna click. Something's gonna happen. He's gonna mature. He's gonna get struck by lightning. Something is going to change. He's gonna get bit by a radioactive spider. I'm not sure what it is, but something should change that makes him, um, you know, a decent provider. And and Greg even had to say it in Colorado after the Colorado game as well. He was like, he gets himself in so many good positions he goes but like he was saying he can't get caught by somebody he's too fast to get caught by these guys and he gets yeah. caught by these guys um i said on twitter and i'll i'll say it again you know i know everybody was on him for getting caught from behind on that one and on, on the one play and and certainly he was in the box and he's getting ready to take a shot and he's rounding and sort of moving his body into position and the the player comes in and gets it I don't know that he slows up as much as everybody thinks he slows up. To me, he's just adjusting for the ball. But at the same time, where was the speed at the beginning of that to provide the extra separation whenever it happens? So I get it. I know I know what people are saying. I understand and I get the frustration because we're in the press box all the time, Damien. We're like, no, nah, he's not going to make that. Like as soon as you know, <laughs> you see him go on a break, you're like, it's not. Nothing's going to happen. It's it's, it's yeah. no, nope, <laughs> it's not going to happen at all. Um, yeah. What do you? I mean. Second year, he still hasn't scored a league goal. I and mean, what do you going into next year? I mean, he he's regressed from last year, right? I, I mean, think he has. That's I think he has. That's yeah. that's nuts. That shouldn't yeah. happen. Um, and the bottom line is that even though I think you have to color him with a young designated player tag, I think you have to be honest about what a young DP is because there are not very many successful young DPs in Major League Soccer, and this is just more evidence of of why. Um, I also think that knowing that he takes up a third designated player spot. And I think if one of the things the galaxy could do, uh, Damien is go in and clean out the U 22s that they have keep one. Um, and you could be Jovalich, right? You could even, by the way, there's some thoughts in my mind where I'm like, okay, so you, you move Cabral, you sell him wherever you need to sell him, and you get him gone and he's gone. And then maybe you go to Jovalich and make him the young designated player. And now you can keep your, all your U 22s or sign another U 22 or the other side of that is you already have Jovalich on a pretty good contract in terms of what you're paying for him and how he hits the salary cap. Then you go out and you move Efrain Alvarez, which gets rid of one of your 22 spots. You sell Julian Araujo, which gets rid of another U22 spot. You let Jovalich take that U22 spot, or you convert Araujo into just a normal spot, which you're paying him a lot of money now, so it might even be a TAM player. Um, right on that line. And then you go out and you get a third senior designated player and you don't worry about the U-22s and you get the best designated players that you can. And if you do something like that in the offseason, and again, this is only the offseason, there's no saving the LA Galaxy for the second half of this. They have their DPs. Unless they find somebody who's like, we absolutely have to have twins and we need Kevin Cabral <laughs> and Remy Cabral. Unless you you do that um, and find a place to move them, you're stuck with these guys. Um, and so yeah. that means that for here on out for the next 14 games, cause there's 14 games remaining now, 20 games through 14 games remaining 34 total games, the LA galaxy have to figure out a way to make this lineup, which certainly lacks in creativity a lot, um, lacks in finishing a lot. Um, and recently, uh, again, has lacked in defensive sort of stoutness, which is a little bit of a surprise just in terms of how they started. Um, they're going to have to make this work. And so this is about putting the puzzle together in the best possible way coming forward here. And I'm not sure that I have the answer for that at all. Do you, I do you, <laughs> do, are there 11 good players? Can you, can you, do you compromise at almost at, in some positions automatically Damien, just by trying to get 11 players on the field? Yeah. You're like, okay, this guy has to be there. It's like, well, me personally, I mean, I would, I would throw on Johnny Perez, Cameron Dunbar. I mean, game. Your your more experienced guys aren't doing anything any better. I mean, just you, if 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 you get into one of these three, like three and three day three games and seven eight day stretches again, run these guys out. I mean, Dunbar was a USL Player of the Week. I'm not Player of the Week. Uh, team of the Week the last what? I think two of the last three weeks. Right. Um, Preston Judd, Johnny Perez, throw it out there. J- Jalen Neal, we've always been waiting for Jalen Neal to. Marcus Vakranis. I mean, you know, it's it's the U twenty one guys, right? That have sort of yeah. been showing stuff, and Cameron yeah. Dunbar as well. I I agree that I think that there's room for that, and I think at least whenever we talked to Greg, he seemed to indicate that that time was coming because he knew that they were going to be pinched under uh, a tremendous amount of games coming through through July and August and everything else, yeah. right? I thought, but we didn't really. I didn't really see those guys in July. I mean, now July is down to like what 
two games in two weeks. So it's 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 still a regular you know practice schedule now. So it's crazy. yeah, it, it feels that way. By the way, uh, July was six games was the first month with six games in it. The Galaxy, uh, Damian, here's a fun stat: the Galaxy have not never lost in their first game of the month. Never lost in the first game of the month. In fact, they've only oh. drawn once. They won in February, March, April, May, and July, and they drew in June. Uh, remember, they only had two games in June. So that's uh, there's your there's your fun one. Now everything in between has been you know more of a disaster. Um, but, but usually, uh, they, they win the first one. So August, that August game, the first game in August, which I don't know if we count the one I'm not counting it on here, the the SoFi stadium. (laughs) Can't count that one. Um, and you know, so it's, so that's not it, but that first game in August, I mean, August, September and October, I think you can chalk up three, three, not losses there. Um, you know, as far as the. The stats are sort of looking at how it goes, but you're looking. Here's the thing that it was funny because I was talking to some players, Damian, and it was sort of like, you know, they're like, we just need to get consistent. And when we look at this team and what they have done, they have not won more than two games in a row um, in two years since Greg Vanny took over. Right. So the longest singles I do longest single season win streaks per year. Right. So in 2020, when they were horrible, they won four games in a row. All right. <laughs> 2020, four games in a row. Um, they also had a really long losing streak in there. I'll, I'll I'll have to see if I have the chart for that one as well. But um, in 21, the most they ever won was two games in a row. In 2022, the most they ever won was two games in a row so far. Um, so this is this doesn't feel like a team, Damian, that can just sort of just route off a whole bunch of you know wins and be like, oh okay. Because quite honestly, if the Galaxy would go on a five game win streak, right, they'd probably be put themselves in a position to easily easily qualify for the playoffs, right? I mean, at yeah. that point, you're like, okay, that's 15 points that they're adding on to there. You're getting in a pretty good position to qualify. So five wins in a row or four wins in a row and some draws, you know, an unbeaten streak of seven or eight really yeah. does. Yeah, I, I but I, I say that and you laugh because and you should laugh because this Galaxy team has shown no ability to do that. Not under Greg Vanny. No, and it's, what game was it where um, I forgot which, which game it was. Uh, Kevin Leardown walked off the podium. He said, all we need to do is get on one of those, you know, five or six game stretches. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a month ago, really. And they're, here they are still looking for anything. And again, three, three losses in a row now, which is uh, their, their season high in terms of losses um, in a row. So this is, this is not a team that I feel super confident in, in, in terms of winning all that stuff. If we go, I always like to just sort of compare just so you can keep an eye on things and be like, okay, in your mind, does this make any sense? The LA galaxy compared to all the other MLS cup winning galaxy sides right now are just barely hanging into what I call the cone of uncertainty for the LA galaxy, right? So there's like this cone that starts to get steeper and steeper about this point where if the galaxy sort of stay in those steeps and there's a lot of teams winning a lot of games for the LA galaxy in this last third of the season, right? Um, and right now, when we look at that, we're saying they're just barely hanging on to the to any sort of idea that uh, at least comparing them to other MLS Cup years that they would be successful. If we look at it in terms of every LA Galaxy season, the Galaxy are right smack dab in the middle of everything. Maybe a little bit below the middle line, but very much a average to slightly below average team uh, whenever you compare it to the LA Galaxy. And at this point last year, Damian, the LA Galaxy had 35 points through 20 games. Wow. They have 27 points right now. Um, and so you're looking at an eight-point difference, uh, if I do my math correctly, an eight-point difference right now, just in terms of where they were. They were eight points better in 2020 at this point right now. Now, here's the rub on that. And certainly, if you compare that directly across, you can say, well, I mean, you know, there's no way they make in the playoffs because that 35-point team didn't make the playoffs. The problem with that 35-point team is that they tanked and didn't win. They had like a nine-game winless streak, right? And so the Galaxy need to avoid that at all costs. I mean, you know, this is this is obvious uh, analysis uh, for 100, Alex, but... Um, you know, they need to avoid that. And if they can just find any sort of consistency, and I'm talking about winning, you know, in six games, you win three and you draw three type of thing, right? Where you're sort of, you're not losing. Maybe you lose one in there. Maybe you win an extra game, those types of things. You don't have to win a whole bunch of games in a row, but you have to consistently be picking up points from here on out. And there's nothing in the way the LA Galaxy are playing right now that tells me that they are in the right mindset to do that. And you have Atlanta coming in, who is... 
Atlanta's almost as much of an enigma right now as the LA Galaxy are, right? And so, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, they turned a corner. It's definitely going to happen. And then it's like, oh, maybe not. Maybe maybe they didn't turn a corner. You know, the whole deal. I remember Damien asking uh, Sasha Kleshin, um, and I think I asked Greg this too. I said, you know, is this, are the next couple games like really important for you guys? Do you think it makes or breaks your season, right? And they were like, no, because, you know, there's plenty of games left. And, you know, however we sort of get through that, you know, we'll see how it is and the whole deal. I understand the answer, but it seems to me that those last three, four games where in one of those games, they beat Montreal four to nothing. But in those games that it is important for that, for the mental health of this team. And right now, I believe that 90 percent of the problems the Galaxy have are on the mental side of this, because, again, we've seen them play well. Yeah. And Greg has always pointed to the mental side of how they start these games at home. Um, and how that's sort of, I mean, he's been trying to figure out why they start games like they do at home. Um, you know, it's always it's always tough to get a, a, um, a, a player or a coach in MLS to say, hey, this is a must win, this is a must win, this is a must win. But at a certain point, man, <laughs> 14 games left, you're, you're barely hanging on. Something got to be something. I mean, must something. Sunday has to be a must something kind of game. Really. Yeah. If that's an effort. Um, draw point three points. I mean, something has to something has to happen on Sunday because I mean the standings are so tight. I mean, there, there, there's there's really there's no leeway. You lost all leeway really the way things have gone. So it's like it's going to be a battle from here on out. Uh, if we figure, let's put the uh, let's put the the sort of the line at the playoffs at right around fifty points. It's probably forty eight. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying. But I mean, if we sort of go with what it was, I know you're now all of a sudden you start doing the math. You're like, no, that's not going to work. Um, so but right around 50, it's 50, 48, 47, right in there. OK, 47 to 50 is your playoff line. That's going to be your seventh spot somewhere in there. Um, and so if we do 50, that's 23 points. The L.A. Galaxy have to come up with out of 14 games. That's a lot, Damien. That is a lot. I mean, one over one and a half points per game. There are more wins on that than there are draws. And that's where this becomes difficult is, again, just by the way they've been playing the last three games, I'm not sure you have any confidence whatsoever that they can average 1.64 points per game over the last 14 games. And and again, I think Brugman is going to help. I think Brugman helps because he's going to relieve some of the defensive pressure from Delgado and relieve some of the pressure from Ravellison. I think that's okay. I think Ravellison getting forward more, regardless of the outcomes of the games recently, has been a huge boon to the LA Galaxy. He's making late runs. He's being in positions that he hasn't been. And he's being goal dangerous. Yeah. And and the Galaxy haven't had that. I mean, outside of Jovalich, uh, especially recently, who else has been goal dangerous? You know, Grant yeah. got one against LAFC. Okay, big deal. Um, you know, Ravellison has been the other guy. He's been the guy who's looked dangerous. I mean, Derek Williams, quite honestly, should have a goal by now as well because he's had a couple headers that are have been, you know, uh, saved off the line. So he's sort of there. But who's goal dangerous? And so if you can get Delgado a little farther forward, I'm hoping that he can also be somewhat goal dangerous. He doesn't have to score, but I'd like to see him produce from that spot. And if he can, whether it's Ravellison, Jovalich, Chicharito, those types of things, I think that helps. The other thing, and I've already said it, is that it gets Efrain Alvarez off the field. It gets Victor Vasquez off the field. It allows those guys to come in in the second half and be a change of pace or a change of direction or just a change in personnel where they play differently than how the LA Galaxy are lined up. Um, I think defense is the most important part of these next couple games. Um, because if we go back now and we look at the LA Galaxy, Damien, and I said it in my post game whenever I was talking to the guys, the Galaxy have now given up the first goal in their last nine of 12 games. In, <laughs> they've given up the first goal nine out of their last 12 games. And you can imagine what there's a win in there, right? Austin is the one win that they oh, got, yeah. right? But they're one, eight and one whenever they give up the first first um, first goal. Right, they're seven one and one when they score the first goal, and they haven't scored the first goal basically since they trounced Montreal. But even before that, you'd have to go back to Minnesota, um, where they ended up drawing um, back on May eighteenth was the was the the next time they scored the first goal. So you go into this saying that the Galaxy are so important, and I was talking to uh, to Taylor Twelman about this a little bit, and I said, you know, it's so important for the Galaxy to score the first goal. I go, why why do you think it is? He, and I think he's right. They can't dictate the game. The Galaxy can't dictate a game, right? They can't. They can hold possession. 
right? They can pass the ball around, but they can't impose themselves on other teams unless they score the first goal and then play sort of that counterattacking style. All right. So um, it's a it's a serious this is a serious issue for the LA Galaxy. I mean, I am I'm generally pretty optimistic. I still think they have a very good chance just because of how muddied the center of the Western Conference is, Damien, that the Galaxy have a, a good chance of, at still making the playoffs. And maybe they make it at like 45 points, right? Maybe it, everything swivels down to that and the whole deal. But the bottom line is they're on the line. Um, yeah. And and maybe they should be below the line whenever you look at some of the teams that are starting to make, you know, some some real presses. Portland is one of those teams that's starting to sort of get that going. And, and Tito in our chat room rightfully points out, well, this might be a good thing, though. 14 games remaining, eight road games, six home games. Um, does that help the LA Galaxy? <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but but see, you're, you're talking about the standings. You, you, I mean, Seattle, you know, they're going to make a, a late run here. Uh, Houston's brought in uh, what Hector Herrera. Uh, Kansas City has some signings coming in. So, I mean, that bottom half is good. It's going to be, you know, in some new talent is going to be added into these teams here. It's only going to make things that much difficult, you know, trying to secure these last couple of playoff spots. Yeah, uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to sort of track this down as it all goes. The the schedule for the LA Galaxy it comes up Atlanta coming up on July 24th, day after my birthday, just in case everybody was paying attention. Uh, July 30th uh, to close out July, it's at Dallas. That won't be an easy game. Uh, we'll have we'll have the hammer there in person though, at least watching that game. Uh, then the LA Galaxy go into their August matches, which includes the friendly against Chivas uh, at SoFi Stadium. I'm sure that's what they want to do. They go to Kansas City, who is generally one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer right now. Um, which means absolutely nothing. The Galaxy don't normally win in Kansas City, so I wouldn't expect that you're going to see anything major out of that. You're home to Vancouver. Vancouver is a team that is sneaky in terms of getting results. Uh, I never really know what to expect from them, um, and so I would be worried about that game. That's August 13th, August 19th. The LA Galaxy hosts Seattle Sounders. No idea. I have no idea whether Seattle... Seattle may have, and I was sort of listening to uh, Counterattack today on Sirius... Uh, XM, uh, FC or Sirius FC XM, however they do it. I can't remember. Um, and they were, you know, I think Andrew Weeby was there and he's like, maybe Seattle expended too much energy in the CCL. Maybe it took too much out of them. Maybe, maybe they can't come back and they've had some injuries and some other things too, right? Maybe they're not going to be that. But that being said, they've owned the LA galaxy in recent years. So I wouldn't expect that you go away to Bruce. That's who you want to play. You play Bruce in New England uh, at the end of August, and then the very end of August, the August 31st, you get to play Bob Bradley and, and the 1,700 Italians that they've imported since uh, <laughs> since uh, the signing window comes in. So I would expect that Toronto is a much different team than what you have seen as well. So, I mean, that's what's coming up very, very quickly for the LA Galaxy, and there are not any easy games in here, mostly because, as I've said this before, um, Damian, when you're not a good team, um, you, don't, you tend to not have easy games. No, there's no easy <laughs> Here. I mean, yeah, there's nothing here that say hey, you, you can circle that game as oh yeah, oh yeah, they're going to win that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Name one of if you had to bet your your house on any of these games, are you betting it that the Galaxy beat Atlanta? I don't. Um, I don't Dallas, if you have to pick one game, I'm trying to think oh. one game here through the through the end of the season. There's 14 games remaining. Damian, is there one that you are confident the LA Galaxy are winning? No, San Jose, nah. No, away at San Jose. That's away, yeah. And and it's during an international break. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's nothing here that says <laughs> Chivas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the one. It's the one that doesn't that's, count. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're in they're in for they're in for a battle, a fight. I, and I, we'll see what happens when the smokes when the dust is settled and at the end of the year, if they're in the playoffs or not. Yeah, I would say the only thing I would add to that is that um, with all the games and with the schedule congestion, you're going to get some surprising results. There's absolutely 100%. I guarantee it. So I, I almost think that whenever you look at July and how busy it was, and then you go into August with how busy it was and this, uh, how, it, how busy it is for everyone, that you're going to see, Damien, in my mind, there's a little bit of me that says the results that you see right now may end up still staying sort of the same. We already saw it in July where the galaxy have lost three games in a row and dropped like one spot in the Western conference. Yeah. Right yeah. now. I don't expect that that happens all the time, but I think that is an indication that there are not too many really good teams similar to last year. There was a lot of, of 
just muddying things up in the middle. And so um, that very well could be uh, another one to sort of look at. I'm just trying to think if there's any other stats that I want to do. The, the XG in this game, this is a game the Galaxy got um, outplayed. They may have had 18 shots, um, but with like, you know, eight of those being Efrain Alvarez hitting it right at a goalkeeper um, and and Kevin Cabral scuffing them into the into the into their path, I'm not sure that there was any sort of danger. And the XG sort of shows that, that the Galaxy probably should have had a goal, but that Colorado's 1.6 expected uh, goals, which is crazy. Do you know how low percentage shots the shots have to be, Damien, for you to have 18 shots and it just equal one on XG? <laughs> You, if you, I mean, divide divide one by eighteen, and you'll get the average of what their percentage was in that, right? So you know, well into the probably two percent, three percent in terms of maybe the average, five percent, five percent in terms of the average. It's not good. Um, no. and, and one of the best chances the LA Galaxy had came off Derek Williams, I think a header, um, which was yeah. like a thirteen percent. So now take thirteen percent away from the one, and then the, everybody else with seventeen other shots sort of fills in that one. So. The shot selection hasn't been good. The offense has not been good. Um, so. No, it's, it's like, especially when we've always talked about how team, how they sort of, when teams are in that low block and how they're trying to break them down and they can't really break them down and they're just, they're just passing the ball aimlessly around and it leads to nothing and it, you know, the uh, ball hits the other way. Um, yeah, it's puzzling really. <laughs> It is. And, and I'll say this, that as much as we've talked about the low block and sort of, you know, difficult to break down, Colorado came out to play and yeah. the, Gal- the Galaxy could have could have and usually do play better against teams that come out to play um, Atlanta. Um, just sort of looking a little bit ahead to, to coming up on Sunday. Um, and by the way, the, the Galaxy and Atlanta played the last game of the weekend. So everybody else will have played. Um, so you'll know exactly sort of where the L.A. Galaxy are and where the standings are whenever they go to kick off on this game. Uh, July 21st, 24th, 6.30 p.m., uh, a 6.55 p.m. kickoff time. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. So 25-minute lead-in by FS1 and Fox Deportes there. Um, by the way, $2 super chat from uh, What The... Uh, and they say, what would happen if we go on 14 to end the season? I, I would imagine nobody would have any more jobs. That's what I, I would. I would think everybody would be. They would fire you fired. and me, Damien. We'd be fired, too. We'd, we'd have to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Patrick says in the chat room right below it, draft pick, baby. You know, you just got to go for those. That's why it's tanking. You're tanking to get the draft picks now. I don't, I don't trust the guys with draft picks anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff to that as well. Mr. Provino goes, well, that would be a wooden spoon. I'm not keeping the wooden spoon this time. I'm just letting everybody know. <laughs> All right. I had it last time. I'm not keeping it this time. Uh, so you can't do it. I, I'm going to end it this, and I'll be a little more positive um, just in the way I end it. I do not believe the LA Galaxy are as bad as they have been playing the last three games. I've seen them play very well. That being said, they need a consistent lineup, and they need consistent performers, and I'm hopeful that Brugman does some of that. Um, to sort of help them do that. And I hope that Delgado can stay healthy. I hope that Chicharito scores some goals and sort of can contribute to what Jovalich is doing as well. Um, so if you add those together, I think the LA Galaxy are definitely capable of winning, you know, let's see, six games, seven games out of the 14. And I know that sounds crazy, but quite honestly, if they they underperformed last year during this same stretch, where they played well and they didn't get results. Well, they haven't played well really in the last three games. Um, And they haven't been getting the results. But when they do play well, they do get results. And it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, okay, so, you know, prove to me that you're good enough. I'm not sure that they can. um, But I'm also not... If they had never beat anybody like like they did against LAFC in the U.S. Open Cup, Damien, I would not believe this team is capable of doing things like that. If they didn't beat LAFC the first time, if they didn't beat Austin twice... I would not believe they're capable of doing it, but I've seen them do it. They didn't blow Montreal out of the water, um, you know, in a dominant performance. All these things that you, again, there's a lot of evidence to tell you that this LA Galaxy team is better than what they've been doing. There's also a lot of evidence that tells you that they are mediocre and probably exactly where they should be. Um, And maybe they're worse. Maybe they're worse than where they're at right now. Um, So I think that if you're looking for a definite, and I don't like to sit on the fence, but I just, I can't figure this team out. They have, they have some players who can play. Um, 100% they have some players they can play. Uh, and so I'm just like, all right, so show it. Show it. This is it, right? I mean, this is the, the, you, you either show it or you don't, and lots of guys are going to, you know, go home early again. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, Javier said it several times that, you know, 
he scored those goals last year. And what happened? Yeah. You know, he sat home and watched the playoffs on TV. I don't know if he really watched it on TV, but I, I'm just, was, I bet he did. I bet he seems like the kind of guy. Maybe he was like streaming while he was doing it, though. It was in the background. He wasn't he wasn't like focused on it. It was just in the background. Kind of how like I watched some games. Yeah, they're turning in that direction again. Um, <laughs> and you talk about, you know, Brugman and all that, but you, you're going to need your DPs to do something, anything. Costa, um, Cabral, I mean, that's that's always a big, you know, everybody's, that's so much attention because they are, they are you know, they, they have the, the two business player uh, spots and they're going to need to contribute something. It's the guys who are going to get things turned around here. Yeah, well, we'll certainly see. Uh, Galaxy scheduled for a media availability on Wednesday. Again, Brugman is supposed to uh, be introduced to everybody there. I'm going to try to make it. We'll see if I can get out there. Um, and so we'll see if uh, if perhaps uh, this is sort of the change that the Galaxy need. Obviously, a full week of training as well. Getting some guys healthy, getting some guys back from protocols with Delgado and, <laughs> and Chicharito, who uh, Vanny said he expects back uh, for this week as well. And then going up against an Atlanta team that is very much Jekyll and Hyde as well. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, It is worth noting before we get into like really talking about Atlanta on the Thursday show is that the Galaxy have played Atlanta three times and lost three times. So um, more of more of the Colorado winless streaks and and all those little things that are that are sort of happening. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, L.A. Galaxy playing against Atlanta coming up on Sunday, July 24th, 6.30 p.m., 6.55 p.m. Kickoff time. FS1 and Fox Deportes is where you can find that. Um, and so hopefully we'll uh, see everybody out there at the stadium on Sunday. Damien, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um. No, wait. Whatever you pay, whatever you pay, Kevin. Yeah, send it, send it my way. Yeah, double, double. I'll, I'll double it. I'll double it. You did a good. You, you did it. You did Tell it. Wherever, wherever he is. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter and uh, where they can read you? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Damian Calhoun, and also in the SoCal News Group, LA Daily News, Orange County Register, Riverside Press Enterprise. I'm going to be Express Telegram. Well, Daily Breeze. We're, I'm all over the place. You are all over the place. Doing doing prep stuff, all sorts of stuff. Well, Damien, we certainly appreciate you uh, you coming on. Thanks so much, buddy. We, uh, we'll uh, we'll have you back on, I promise. This won't, it won't be so long this time. So, all right, there's uh, there's Damien Calhoun. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all the writing, all the podcasts, all the stuff. Glad that you could join us for this Monday show. Show coming up on Thursday night, getting you ready for the Atlanta game coming up on Sunday. All right, for Mr. Damian Calhoun filling in for the Panda, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.